Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We are a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Good evening, ladies. So exciting for me to finally be with you guys at Thrive. Listen, I've been wanting to visit this church for ages. You have no idea because I've heard such amazing things about you guys. I've met your pastors, Pastor Candace and Pastor Byron. They are phenomenal. Do you guys realize what amazing leaders you have? So I've been so excited to to come and visit, and I'm so glad that I'm finally here. Hey, you guys can take your seats, otherwise I'll keep you standing forever. And you know, when Pastor Candice invited me to come and speak at Thrive, I was so excited. I just said, yes. I didn't even check the calendar. I was just like, I'm in. I finally get to visit this incredible church that I've heard so much about. And I'm actually really glad that I didn't check the calendar because we actually had quite a week. On Saturday, we had our own church's dream team conference, and on Tuesday, we had our View Girls event, which is our women's ministry. And um, this week, we're hosting a guest speaker. So it's a crazy, crazy week, and I think if I had checked the calendar, I might not have been able to come. So praise God that I just said yes because I'm so excited to be in this house. So again, Pastor Candice, thank you so much for the invite. It's an honor to be here with you guys. And I just love your theme for 2019. She is. And there are so many powerful things that we could talk about tonight. But I think before we get into it, can we open up in prayer? Is that good? Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are here. You are in this room. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you will speak to every one of our hearts tonight. None of us want to leave you the same, Holy Spirit. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, I pray you will speak to me. You will speak through me. And that God, like I prayed All of us will leave moved by you, changed by you with a fresh revelation. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Was that another little amen there? Awesome. And starting them young and thrive. But yeah, just to tell you a little bit more about myself. So I'm married to Andre. He's amazing. Uh, Like Pastor Candice said, I've been working at the church full time since last April, and I am loving it. Um, and we have two beautiful little girls. Oh, there's a, there's a picture of them. Listen, they are awesome. I absolutely adore them. Juliana, she's the oldest one. She's six years old, and Zara is four on the right. And um, yeah, they are so, so different. It's crazy, but I adore them both equally. And Juliana, she's just tough and she's sporty, um, but she's also gentle and so kind. And then Zara, I think the best word I can use to describe Zara is that she is diva-licious. <laughs> Seriously. Like, she changes her outfit at least four times a day. Okay, no jokes. She wears makeup pretty much every day to school. Okay, she's four. 
and the teacher's okay with it, I've checked. Her favorite is the green eyeshadow, and she likes to match it with the purple lipstick. So she is just, she's my little diva. But you know, I adore them. They are the biggest blessing in my life, but I have brainwashed them. I need to be honest with you guys. I have brainwashed these girls, and they are mommy's girls. Okay, I've, I've trained them very well. I say, who loves you the most in the world besides Jesus? Mommy. Whose girl are you? Mommy's girl. Whose car do you want to drive in? Mommy's car. Who must fetch you from school? Mommy. And my husband and I are actually like a little bit competitive by nature, so he does not enjoy it. And sometimes I actually feel a little bit sorry for him because we're like this girl gang, the three of us, shame. And then it's just him. We do have a male dog now called Georgie. So he's got a friend. Um, although Georgie currently is peeing on all of our carpets. So he's not enjoying Georgie that much. But anyway, he has a male friend. But I'm fully aware that my husband, Andre, is an amazing father. Like, he is a good, good father. And I know that a day's gonna come when they're gonna realize that mommy isn't always right. Because right now, they pretty much think I'm superwoman, and I'm riding that wave, amen? And, but I know know my days are numbered. And um, I was just tell you, the funniest thing happened a few months ago. We were on holiday in Durban, and we were staying with some friends, and Zara likes to wake up with the sun, okay, which is a problem if you're staying in Durban, okay? Sun comes up really early. She woke up with the sun and she wanted to play. And Andre, my hubby, being the good man that he is, he said, I will take her downstairs and you and Juliana can sleep. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and he took her downstairs and they started to play. Um, she was doing her thing. I think he eventually got on his phone. And then Zara came to Henri and she said, Daddy, I'm hungry. Now, if you know Zara, you will know that she has three great loves in her life. Okay. (laughs) It's mommy, it's makeup, and it's food. And I'm not quite sure of the order, but those are Zara's great loves. And so she said, Daddy, I'm hungry. So, Zara, so Andre said, okay, Zara, I'm going to make you breakfast. And he must have put together a very good breakfast for her because he says after she had taken like her second mouthful, this is, and like I say, she's the most mommy mad, she leaned forward and she looked at him in the eyes and she said, Daddy, I actually really do love you. But wait. Then she said, but don't tell mommy. Now, at this point, Andre decided he needed some like evidence of this, so he whipped out his cell phone. So I've seen the rest of this video played over and over and over again. So she says, don't tell mommy. She says, don't tell anybody, daddy. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. Daddy, especially don't tell anybody at church. And this poor girl, she was three at the time. She's already realized that everything she does gets used as a sermon illustration. (laughs) 
But seriously, we had a huge laugh about it when we watched the video over and over. But seriously, this husband of mine is such a good dad. And I mean this, I know that they are going to eventually end up daddy's girls. I know it. Because any sports game they have, he's there. He goes to their dance classes, he sits and watches them. You know, Juliana has swimming training at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. And, and often I'm like, I'll take her. And, and sometimes he goes, I'm just going to come too because I want to watch her. Like, he's such a good dad. He prays for them. He plays with them. He protects them. I have no doubt that they are going to realize as they grow up that they have an incredible, sacrificial father. And they will be daddy's girls. I know it. And so tonight, I just really feel from God, like he wants to settle something in our hearts this evening. He wants us to catch a revelation that changes the way we think. Because you see, my two little girls, I adore them. Like I can't put into words how much I love them. And then sometimes I think, Leanne, the way you love them doesn't even compare to the way God loves them. He created them. They are his girls. His love, it's, you can't compare it to your love. And, and these are always sobering moments for me. I'm like, flip, God loves me and my girls a lot. And you know, when they were born, all they really did was poop and cry. They didn't do anything particularly impressive. But I was smitten, like from the word go. They didn't have to do anything to earn my love. I was instantly obsessed. And ladies, that is the type of love that our God has for us, for his daughters, for every single one of us here tonight. He made us. We are his girls. And we don't need to do anything to earn his love. Nothing you could do could make him love you more, and nothing you could do could make him love you less. And you know, ladies, even before you were born, he was obsessed with you. When he was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he had plans, good plans for your life. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Psalm 17 verse 8 says, We are the apple of his eye. And tonight, I feel like God's message to us is actually very simple. And it's she is her daddy's girl. She is her daddy's girl. Ladies, you and I are our heavenly father, our daddy's girl. He gave his most precious gift, Jesus, his one and only son, because like Pastor Candace said, he couldn't bear the thought of spending eternity without you and me being with him in heaven. He couldn't bear the thought. And so he gave up Jesus so that you and I could be adopted as his children. And now we are God's girls, and that becomes our identity. I want you guys to catch this tonight. That's our identity. Our identity. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a mother. First and foremost, I am God's girl. That's my identity. Amen. 
Listen, we are living in a crazy world and people are having identity crisis like never before. Like it's crazy. But why is it so important that our identity is rooted in whose we are? If you are taking notes, my first point is if you don't know who your dad is, you will live like a slave and not a daughter. You know, the devil doesn't want any of us living in freedom. Amen? We have an enemy. Unfortunately, I I don't like to talk about it, but we do have an enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, and he wants us to live bound up. And one of his favorite tricks is to make us feel unworthy. And you know, when my daughters misbehave, do I love them any less? No. Do I discipline them? Yes. I do, but I don't love them any less. Does my commitment to them change? Like, it's it's a stupid question to even ask you if you're a mother, right? But why, for some reason, do we let the devil trick us into believing this lie when it comes to God? You know, there's a story about a boy named Johnny I want to share with you guys tonight. He was a little boy, and he was visiting his grandparents one summer holiday, and he had his sister Sally with him. And Johnny had just been given a brand new slingshot. And so he spent the whole first day, Granny lived on a farm close to the woods, and he spent the whole first day, in, well, the f- whole first morning, with his slingshot, trying to aim at trees and plants. And this poor boy didn't hit the target once. So lunchtime came, he was feeling down, he headed towards the house, to eat his lunch, and out of the corner of his eye, he saw his granny's pet duck. And without even thinking about it, he just took aim and he fired with a rock. And for the first time all day, he hit his target. Slap bang in the middle of the head, and the duck was killed instantly. Now Johnny panicked. He didn't know what to do. So on an impulse, he grabbed the duck, the dead body, ran into the woods, and buried it. And just as he was covering up the burial site, he turned and saw his older sister, Sally, watching. And he thought, flip, that's it. She's going to go running back to Granny. I've had it. So he nervously makes his way back to the house for lunch. And everything's calm, and Sally doesn't, doesn't seem to have told Granny anything. Everyone's calm. Sits down at lunch. They're eating their food. Everything's good. Lunch is ending. And the Granny says, Do you know what, Johnny? Why don't you and Grandpa go for a nice walk? Grandpa would love to spend some time with you. And Sally, why don't you come help me with the dishes? So Sally says, you know what, Granny, Johnny and I were actually talking earlier, and he said that he is super keen to do all the kitchen chores for today. (laughs) So Johnny's like, what? And he's like about to put her in his place when she whispers under her breath, remember the duck. (laughs) Johnny's eyes get really, really big. And he changes his tune very quickly. He says, yeah, Granny, she's totally right. I am happy to be in the kitchen today. It's all good. I'll wash the dishes. And Sally smiles, and off she goes with Grandpa on a walk. 
Anyway, the afternoon progresses. It's now evening time. And Granny calls Sally and says, all right, Sally, I want you to come help me make supper. And Johnny's been cooped up in the house this afternoon, so I think we should let him and Grandpa go fishing. Sally looks at Granny with a big smile and says, you won't believe it, Granny, but Johnny said he doesn't want to go fishing. He's actually not feeling well. He wants to stay in the house. So I'm going to go with Grandpa fishing, and he's going to help you cook supper. Isn't that right, Johnny? And you know what she whispered under her breath? Remember the duck. So Johnny agreed, and he stayed, and he helped make supper. And this went on for a couple of days, and eventually Johnny snapped. Okay, he'd had enough. He couldn't stand it. And he went running to his granny, and he said, Granny, I'm so sorry I killed your duck. I should have told you. I'm so sorry I didn't. It was a total, total mistake. And this is what his granny said. She said, I know, Johnny as she gave him a really big hug. I was standing at the window and I saw the whole thing. (laughs) Because I love you, I forgave you, but I wondered how long you would let your sister make a slave of you. (laughs) Guys, the devil loves that trick. He'll come to us and he'll whisper in our ear, remember the duck, remember the duck, remember the duck. And you know what he's doing? He's making us feel like slaves in our Father's presence. We are not slaves in our Father's presence. We are daughters. Let us learn a lesson from Johnny. Something I just really want to get across, and I also think Pastor Candice brought it across beautifully. Nothing you or I could ever do is going to make us good enough. We can't earn our position as daughters of Christ. Jesus did it. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for every single sin you and I have ever committed, every single sin we're ever gonna commit. So I can't do anything to earn God's favor. I can't do anything. I will never be good enough to be a pastor or to be on the stage. I mess up. I'm human, but it's because of Jesus that I'm a daughter and I'm not a slave. So we learn from Johnny. When we mess up, and we all mess up, I mess up all the time. What do we do? We go running into our father's arms, our father who loves us, and we say sorry, and we try again. Amen? We are not slaves. We are daughters. When I was a little girl, I was rather feisty. And I can't believe I'm actually telling this story. I'm telling the story for the second time in one week. Totally different sermon, but it was an appropriate illustration. It doesn't make me look too good. But anyway, here we go. I was a very feisty little girl because I had an older brother who used to torment me. So it was like, you either either toughen up or you get walked all over. So I, I toughened up. And we had just moved to Cape Town. I was five or six, and my parents were now the pastors of this church in Tableview. And I remember playing in the sandpit the one day after church. Um, Actually, 
before I got in the sandpit, I was just playing on the swing. And then I decided I'm gonna go and play in the sandpit. And there was already one boy in the sandpit. He was quite a bit older than me. And I thought, well, it's a big sandpit. There's, there's room for both of us. And so I got in the sandpit with him. And he was like, what are you doing in the sandpit? I'm playing in the sandpit. So I politely replied, well, it's a big sandpit. I'm, I can play here too. You play there, I'll play here. So I was very mature about it. Okay. <laughs> then he, he, he was a bit of a bully and he said, no. I'm playing in the sandpit, you get out. And my five-year-old self decided I was not gonna get bullied. I got bullied enough by my brother at home. I was putting my foot down. So what I did was I looked at this little boy. I stuck my finger in his face and I said, do you know who my dad is? I said, he's the boss of this place. Don't mess with me. And I may or may not have threatened that he might get kicked out of the church if he was rude to me. Not proud of that. But why do I tell you guys the story? You see, I knew whose I was. I knew who my father was. My identity was wrapped up in who I belonged to. I knew who had my back. And so I was confident and I stood my ground. And my second point is girls who know who their dad is are confident and they know their value. Hebrews 10 verse 35 to 36, it says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Ladies, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I swear it got me through medical school. Anybody here a doctor in the house or a medical student? No one. Guys, I swear, <laughs> there we got one. Okay, so you're gonna be, you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. There are few things in life as terrifying as a medical OSCE, okay? It's an exam where you go into the hospital and you've got a professor who's normally very grumpy and doesn't wanna be there and a random patient who really is sick or sometimes you've got a case study and you've got a few minutes with this prof and it's completely subjective, which I think is just so wrong. Because if that prof's having a bad day, they can ask you whatever they like. And if your face irritates them, they can fail you. Okay, so it's terrifying. Am I right? Where's my medical students? Or maybe it's changed in the last 17 years, but I doubt it. Anyway, so I'll, I'll never forget the, the, this one OSCE exam, and I was standing outside of the, they, they put you like in these little cubicles in the hospital, in the wards, and I, I just finished one, and it had gone pretty well, and now I was waiting for the next one, and you don't know what's, who's in the curtain, you don't know what profit is, and I watched the girl who had just finished come out, and she was in tears, and I thought, oh, glory, okay, so that didn't go well, she's crying, now I've got to go in there next, so they would make you know, grown women cry and men, like all the time. Like that's med school, like it's, it's rough. It really is. So I'm like already, I feel my heart starting to beat a little bit faster. You know, the school's crying. And um, the buzzer rings, which means it's time for me to walk into the next station. So the nurse who's like keeping the whole thing going says to me, off you go, go inside. So I say, okay. So I open the curtain and I walk in. Now the prof, it was an obstetrics, an obs and gynae prof. She was still writing notes. She looked up at me and she said, 
did I tell you you can come in? So I said, no. So she said, get out! Like, literally, like she screamed so loud, the entire ward would have jumped. So I turned around and I walked out. And um, I was like, that, this is a great start. <laughs> and, and, and seriously, I could feel the panic and the terror starting to rise. I'm thinking, like, she's going to slaughter me in there now. Like, she's going to fail me. Like, and they're strict. Like, you fail one block. You, you, like, like it's, it's, it's. So I felt this anxiety starting to rise. And then I remembered that verse. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And I said, no. I said, God, you promised. God, you said I'm the head and not the tail. You said that I'm highly favored. God, you said you are holding me by my right hand. You will never leave me nor forsake me. So God, I thank you. This is going to be the best Oski ever in Jesus' name. And as I prayed that, my face started rising. My heartbeat calmed down. And I walked into that Oski with a big smile on my face. And I'll never forget it because it was the best mark I've ever got for an Obzangaini Oski. Okay, that's God. And I love that verse. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. What pleases God? Faith. And when you hang on to your confidence, you're showing God your faith. You are a daughter of the king. You are valuable. You can be confident. And I also thought, I just want to bring up the title of dating. You're a child of God. You're not going to just date any random boy. You're going to wait for the perfect guy that God has for you. Come on, girls. If you're single in the house, you need to be fussy. Really. The best advice I can give you, and, and I mean this, actually pray this. Ask God and marry a guy who loves Jesus more than he loves you. Seriously. Because if he loves Jesus more than he loves you, he's going to treat you like a princess because he knows you are the daughter of a king. Amen. Awesome. Point number three, girls who know who their dad is, they are generous. Now, as a teen, I grew up, we used to have what we call teen service, which was pretty much youth. And we would, during praise and worship, we would have a time of tithes and offerings. Okay, so the bucket would be like in the front and praise and worship would be happening. And someone would do an offering talk and then we'd come forward with our tithes and offerings. And there was this super wealthy kid in the youth. His parents were loaded, okay? And every week, he would make quite a big spectacle of going to the front and emptying out his whole wallet, like very sacrificially, like, and it was a full wallet, and he would empty it out, and he'd be very emotional, and, and I would watch this guy, and I'd think, yeah, 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 this is easy for you. We all know it's daddy's money anyway, and you'll go home, and daddy will just sort you out with whatever else you need, and I actually feel quite guilty about this because it's not my place to judge his heart, but I'm just being honest, this is what I used to think. And then I'd have a bit of, I'd take my tithe and I'd have a bit of a pity party thinking, you know, um, I had to earn this, you know, I had to actually earn this. I used to have to do newspaper rounds, which wasn't cool in high school. And I lived in a very hilly suburb, okay? <laughs> but at least it kept me fit. But I'd have a bit of a pity party, um, but, I, but I gave my tithe, but I always thought this guy has it so easy. You know, his dad has got all the money in the world. 
But as I've got older, number one, I felt ashamed of my judgment of this young man because I don't know his heart. And number two, I've also realized that I'm actually a lot like that wealthy boy who was in my youth. I'm not that different from him. Because in reality, guys, my dad, my heavenly father, has all the money in the universe, and all the money that I have comes from him. He is my provider, and he promises to take care of me. And he says, if you put me first, you will never come second. Amen. So I can tithe, and I don't have to live in fear, because my dad will take care of me. Come on, girls, can I get an amen? The Bible says, God says the silver and gold is mine. He owns everything. So I will be generous with my finances because I know who my father is. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 29 verse 14, it says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given only what comes from your hand. And you know, this was, I love this. This was King David. And he had this revelation while he was building the temple for God. He was building God's house and he was using his own personal riches. And that's the revelation that he got. Guys, I need to tell you, whether you believe it or not, every one of us sitting here tonight, Everything you have comes from God. Whether you believe it or not, your brain, it comes from God. Your ability to think and study comes from God. Your business comes from God. Your house comes from God. The shoes on your feet come from God. Everything you have has been provided for by Him. That's the truth. And David had this revelation of it. And when we understand that, we don't have a problem with being generous with our finances. I also, when I know who my dad is, I will be generous with my time. Who agrees that time is precious? Time is like our lives. But you know, even the oxygen I'm breathing, it comes from him. So I will be generous with my time. And I will be generous with my talents. I have a very strong conviction that every single talent I have is a gift from God by His grace for His glory. And that's why it's been such an honor for me to work as a doctor at our health center. We look after vulnerable women and children. It's such an honor. I get to use this talent in God's house. But even when I was working in private practice, I used it for God's honor. But the thing is, if you are sitting here this evening, and you've got an amazing voice, and you are not serving on the worship team, come on, what's stopping you? That voice was given to you by God for His glory. Amen? If you know who your dad is, you sow your talents into his house. If you're an outgoing, friendly person, get on the welcome team. We call it, we, we call ours the frontline team. Use your talents to serve your dad. Amen. Point number four, girls who know who their dad is, they pray. 
They spend time having conversations with their dad because they know that he's interested in every little detail of their lives. If your husband won't listen to you, God will. That's a promise. He cares about all the details. The Bible says in two places, and we know when God repeats himself, he's trying to get a point across, amen? He says in Ephesians 6 verse 18 and Luke 18 verse 1 that we need to pray at all times. Ephesians 6 verse 18, it says, sorry, Luke 18 verse 1, it says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And Ephesians 6 verse 18, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I'm so sorry, that's the King James Virgin. But you get the point, right? Pray at all times. What does that look like? That's not something weird and cultish, okay? It just means that you don't pray to God in the morning and then not talk to him for the rest of the day. It means when you're in the shower washing your hair, you talk to God. You just have a conversation with Him. When you're driving in your car, you talk to God. Nobody's going to think you're mad. They'll just think you're on Bluetooth having a conversation on your cell phone. It's okay. Any situation that you're in. Do you know that every time I see a patient, before I see a patient, I talk to God. I say, God, please give me discernment. Help me to diagnose this patient properly. Help me to manage them properly. Show me what to do. God, I need you. Sometimes I'm so grumpy and now I've got to see a patient. I'm like, God, help me to be filled with your love. Help me to see this person's value. I'll pray throughout the day. Listen, if I didn't pray throughout the day, I'd probably be a monster. Like, I don't know how you guys, if anyone here doesn't, I don't know how you're doing it. Because I need to be speaking to God throughout the day. I need the Holy Spirit. I need Him in my life. Can't do it without Him. I found out that my gynae prays before every case. And then when she has a high-risk case, she gets her church prayer team to pray. So I was like, I'm sticking to her like super glue. But I've had my two children, so we're all good. I'm just putting that out there. I don't know why. Just... I had such a good lunch with Pastor Candice. I tried on this dress I was going to wear tonight, and I looked pregnant. And I was like, you guys are all going to congratulate me on the baby, so I better not wear the dress. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, listen, last week, we have what we call view groups, which is like life group, community. And listen, last week, I misplaced my brand new cell phone, okay? And it was, I swear, I nearly lost my, sal my salvation and my sanity, like in one go. What happened was we had all the kids upstairs at View Group at our house and the adults downstairs. And I left my brand new cell phone charging upstairs in the bedroom. Everybody leaves. Only the kids had been upstairs. Everybody leaves. And there were quite a few kids there, like little kids. And I tell the girls, don't go into mommy's room, please, because like sometimes they go jumping on my bed and, you know, like, so they know they're not supposed to go in there. Everybody leaves. And I'm like, where's my cell phone? Like, I left it charging. I wake my poor daughters up. They're like, oh, no, we don't have your cell phone. <laughs> While they're sleeping, I'm like lifting their mattress. I, I look in my room. I'm like, I pull out my cupboard. I pull out my drawer with all my filing. I go behind every couch in my lounge. Do you know how soul destroying that is? It was like an hour and a half of searching. You know, eventually I thought maybe the dog took it. I thought maybe Georgie took it, the other male in the house. And so 
I like had my husband's cell phone and I'm like looking in the streets for my cell phone in case Georgie like went running with it. Like I was freaking out, okay? And I could see, my husband could see that like there was a fine line between like me losing it and, and, and he could see that I was like on the border. And eventually he was like, babe, this feels like it's an attack. Let's just, let's just pray. So I was like, okay. So, so we held hands and we prayed. I promise you, two minutes later, he finds my cell phone in the closed linen cupboard. How the freak did it get in the linen? I will never know how it got in the linen cupboard. I will never know, okay? But praise God, we prayed and we found it. And my point is, we've got access to him. Why didn't I just pray an hour and a half earlier? Like, seriously. But the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. John 16 verse 24, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. We don't have because we don't ask. Does anyone here know the story of Caleb's daughter, Aksa? It's a very hectic name. Okay, it's a, it's a random story. I'm going to summarize it for time. But it's in Judges chapter 1 verse 12 to 15. But Caleb has a daughter named Aksa. He marries her off to Othniel. And as a wedding gift, Caleb gives them all this land. Now, after their honeymoon, they're traveling back. And Aksa says to Othniel, her new husband, why don't you go ask my dad for some springs too? Because we've got the land, now we need springs. And he's like, you know, like any proud new husband, he's like, she's just given us land. Like, we're not asking your dad for anything else. Like, just, just relax. You know, he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And let's be honest, who here thinks that she was acting like a bit of a spoiled brat? Yeah. Come on, when I read that, I'm like, sheesh, like that's, that's hectic. She just got all the land. Like. But verse 15 says, it says, Father, this is her talking, give me a blessing. You gave me land, now give me the springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. Now, like I say, when I read that, I feel like, you know, but God's trying to tell us something, isn't he? He's always trying to tell us something. And I feel like he's harping on the fact that we don't have because we don't ask. And we serve a good, good father. He wants to give good gifts, gifts to his children. You know, Andre and I recently ran what we called a dream service at our church. It was about six weeks ago. And um, we were very challenged in our preparation by a message by Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands. And he was talking about how dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit and how we have to dream big and we can't put God in a box. Now, please, I am not preaching some weird prosperity gospel, okay? I'm not at all. But what really challenged me was, I've got a prayer list. Do you have a prayer list? You need to have a prayer list because if you don't write it down, you can't tick it off, right? So we all need a prayer list. But on my prayer list, I'll pray for the church's growth, for the finances, for our leaders, for our friends, for our family, for our girls, for our marriage, you know. But I felt challenged. I need to start praying over dreams and not just spiritual dreams, but dreams for my family. 
And I actually remembered, and I was inspired by my mother. I remember growing up, so I am a PK, I'm a pastor's kid, you heard about the Sanford incident. And I remember my mom, she was determined that the ministry would be a blessing to her children. She said, my kids are going to be blessed because their parents are pastors. And so she said, I am trusting God that we're going to get to go on a trip overseas as a family. And at that point, we had never, ever been overseas, none of us. And she kept on saying, I'm trusting God, I have a dream. And when I was 18, a man in the church just came up to my mom and said, God told me I need to pay for five tickets for your entire family to go to Australia. Like crazy. And we went, the five of us went on our first family holiday overseas. And it was amazing. And it was a gift from God. It was a dream that my mom had had in her heart. Then, many years later, so actually in 2016, my mom said to my siblings and I, there's three of us and we each have two children. She said, I have a dream. I'm trusting God that all of us, like, you know, my three children and your husbands and wives and all the grandkids, I have a, I'm trusting God that we can go on a family holiday to Mauritius. And I was like, Jewish mom. And she's like, no, I have the faith for it. She ended up inheriting money, and in 2016, all of us went on an amazing family holiday to Mauritius. And I was inspired by my mother's faith and by the fact that she's not, she's not afraid to dream. She has her dream list, and God is faithful. You don't have because you don't ask. So I don't know what's on your heart. Maybe you're trusting God for an amazing big house because you want, you've got a teenage daughter, and you want your house to be the place where all the teens want to hang out. Put that on your dream list. Maybe you just want to go on an amazing holiday with your family. Put it on your dream list. I feel like God wants to say that to you guys tonight. It's okay. Dream big. God wants to bless you. He's a good, good father. Yeah, let's give him a hand. He's a faithful, good father. I've put on my list, I want to take my girls to Disneyland, and then I want to get on a cruise of the Caribbean, praise Jesus. And then I want to visit Vu Church because they're amazing. They're in Miami. But anyway, point number five, girls who know who their dad is are always reaching out. They're praying for people who don't know Jesus. They're inviting colleagues to church. Girls who know who their dad is, they don't stay in holy huddles. Do you guys know what holy huddles are? It's when on a Sunday morning, 10 women who've been coming to the church for five years stand together in their huddle and talk to each other the whole time without greeting a single new woman. And we're so anti-holy huddles at View Church, especially at View Girls, at our women's ministry. We say, we feel called at this church to reach, sorry, I'm just checking out how I'm doing with time. Am I, is that the full 40? Sorry, I just stop. Candace, you you gonna give me the? Will you give me the sign? So sorry. Okay. But sorry, guys, I need to I need to finish this. But you know, we say we feel that we're called by God to connect women to God, to friendship, and to purpose. To God, to friendship, and to purpose. So this is our saying. We say, no girl stands alone. Or we say, you can sit with me, and then we can stand together. And we put that on all our groups. And that when we have a View Girls event, a night like this, 
We're not allowed to be in a holy huddle. We don't hang with our friends. We look for the girl standing alone and we put her in, a, in our circle. Why? Because girls who know who their dad is, they love their dad. They love what their dad loves. That's what I wanted to say. We love what he loves and he loves people. My last point, girls who know who their dad is are peacemakers. Why are they peacemakers? Because they know that their God loves peace. Their dad loves peace. Matthew 5 verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. I don't have time now, but in 1 Samuel chapter 25, it's the story of David, Nabal, and Abigail. Nabal was a fool, okay? His name meant fool. Abigail was his wife, and David was fleeing from Saul. You guys know the story. And he had been very good to Nabal's men, and he asked Nabal for help, and Nabal really disrespected him. David got furious and said, I'm going to kill that man and every single male in his household. And David took 400 men, and they were going to go and shed a lot of blood and kill all of those people. And when Abigail found out, she acted quickly. She took gifts to David. She went straight to him. She put her life on the line, but she said, David, don't do it. She said, my husband is a fool. Don't shed blood over him. She said, you're going to be a mighty leader. The, our God is going to elevate you. He's going to make you the king one day. Don't have this blood on your hands. And she fought for peace. And she saved so many people. We are called to fight for peace, even in small areas. You know, sometimes people, people can gossip Instead of diffusing the situation, come on ladies, we, we can ooh and ah, that's shocking, and we make it all worse, you know? Even in my parenting, my daughter got hit in the face like three weeks ago by this boy, and then he ran away, he was a much older boy, and my first response was to tell her that if it happens again, she must grab him by the shirts and hit him back three times harder. And then I had to repent. I'm being dead serious. I had to repent and say, God, help me to be a better parent. What do I tell this child? But like everything in me was like, but no, my God loves peace. I have to fight for peace. Even the way that Abigail spared her husband's life, he was cruel to her. How many of us would have said to David, you know what? Save all these innocent people save me, but take care of the fool. He deserves it. Are there any honest ladies in the house? But Abigail knew that her father, that her father loved peace. So she fought for peace, even though he didn't deserve it. And you know what? God avenged Abigail because 10 days later, Nabal dies of a heart attack. <laughs> But Max Lucado writes this about Abigail. You must remember when we fight for peace, we often have to be sacrificial. It's a sacrifice. Fighting for peace is a sacrifice. Abigail put her life on the line. She could have been murdered by David. And Max Lucado writes this. He says, just as Abigail placed herself between David and Nabal, Jesus placed himself between God and us. Abigail took the risk of being punished for paying the price for Nabal's sins as Jesus allowed heaven to punish him for your and my sins. Abigail turned away from the anger of David 
so he turned, sorry, she turned away the anger of David and Christ shielded us from the wrath of God. And that's a beautiful picture of how Christ-like Abigail was. Girls who know who their dad is are peacemakers. Lady, can I ask, can I ask you ladies to stand to your feet just quickly for a moment? I just really want to pray for us this evening. I really believe with all my heart that God wants to give us a fresh revelation and do something in our hearts this evening. Can you guys believe with faith? with me. Won't you raise your hands to heaven? This is nothing weird. This is just a sign of surrender, saying, God, I surrender to you. And I want to pray for us. I want to ask God to give each and every one of us a fresh revelation of who He is, that He is our loving Father, that He loves us with an unconditional, all-consuming love that we could never earn or deserve and we could never lose. And that because of this, we live in freedom as daughters. We are not slaves. We are confident. We know our value. And we are generous. And we are peacemakers. Our Father God, I just thank you that you are here in this place. Holy Spirit, won't you speak to every heart? Won't you give us a fresh revelation of whose we are? We are daughters of the King of the universe. And you have our back. And you love us And God, we are called to live in freedom. So Lord Jesus, we just say right now, we're not going to give the devil any more space in our minds. That God, when we mess up, we're going to run straight to you. We're going to run straight into your open arms. And we're going to try again. And by your grace, we're going to get better. We love you and we surrender to you. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.